0: Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon, it's Falcon Screen, and we are joined by Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans.
1: Greetings.
0: And freelance writing critic for Nehru. Babushka, babies. Again, we may sound a little different, and that is because we are coming to you from our respective homes, not from the two UCL studios we regularly might. We are self-isolating, self-distancing, taking precautions to flatten the curve, but we're still going to bring you Film Fight Club and streaming and all things happening about town and- but things are
1: happening about town. Mass, mass <laughs> uh, stay-in parties.
0: Yeah, mass stay-in. I, I, I've been having One fun watching One person invited Rob- to each. Well, I'm watching RoboCop tonight with like eight friends. And we, we did The Room this week. A yeah. uh, lot of Zoom watches and movies. They've been fun.
2: Also, I don't think we can self-distance. Uh, social distance, maybe. Self-distancing may not be possible. I can't distance from myself. But yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah, sorry. I, I said three things. I said self-distance. Well, glenn
1: you, you're becoming robocop and, and
2: getting some hardcore so audio what we bridges. are doing
0: is uh social distancing i should clarify to just o- o- over zoom this is definitely quality
2: yeah he's completely frozen there
1: okay so th- this will happen guys bear with us uh you know this uh, this even happened on ABC yeah, news the so other day a, little was a little
0: bit technical difficulties but it's a situation we're in at the moment. Uh, we should note that this will go to air. We're recording this on Saturday. This will go to air on the station Monday or Tuesday. It's a special podcast episode because as promised last week, we are talking all things Bond, James Bond, which are all streaming on Stan. The and I the release. Channel 9 now, Chris? Yes.
1: Uh, uh, Channel 9 have been playing a Bond film every day. They've been streaming on Stan for a, for a while, um, which Channel 9 have a share in. One a day leading up to the release of the film we're celebrating this week, No Time to Die. Uh, which is in cinemas Thursday but cinemas are closed uh, so you might get to see that in November touch wood it, we would like Gentle 9 playing the Bond movies in spite you know rolling ahead even though No Time to Die was delayed we're doing a Bond episode even oh, hang though on. No Time so to it, Die was delayed
2: originally No Time to Die was supposed to come out this Thursday
1: yeah early, wow. early April wow. yeah we've lost yeah. Glenn Falconstein by the way um
0: Oh no! I've just turned off my video to make sure my audio keeps streaming, but I'm still here. Hello, just to oh turn sweet, off okay. Bit, but, hey, Glenn. Um, still, still going strong. Hey, hey, hey. hey. So yes, the no times today was supposed to come out this week, so we're covering all things Bond. I think we may even do a couple of Skype co-watches of Bond, which have been the ones we've been number pretty good so far. Um, and before we get into Bond though, we want to talk about some of the things that are happening about town. To recap. Last night, Static Vision ran lockdown. The Film Collective, which was their first live streaming event, went for six hours, and a lot of shorts, features, uh, commentary, chat going on. Very interactive. Chris and I both tuned in. I had fun. We saw different segments. I popped in out and yeah, I popped in out as, as well. well.
1: There were there were some good films. Um, it was it was the the pretty typical of what you'd expect from Static Vision um, in terms of weird variety of stuff. Um, but also there's there's a certain taste um that that Felix and Connor have that you start to see running through their curation um, they they like the fringes and they like they like things on the on the capital a art side for sure
3: my a favorite it,
0: it, it, my favorite one was the group of people trying to get out of an escape room and this commentator covering it and you didn't and it was was a situation where you don't know if the commentator was reacting uh following the filming or whether they filmed the audio track and just set this sort of thing up i'm sure it was the former but um, a lot of these were yeah uh, very 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 creative and yeah non-traditional and the stuff you wouldn't traditionally expect from uh linear filmmaking
1: i think one of the times we were both watching was um the film that where a guy's narrating over um, and sort of lapsing into free associative slam poetry, uh, talking over a VHS tape that it starts with, it starts with Pink Floyd and Wizard of Oz, and then it goes into like a a whole bunch of different things recorded on a tape um, while he's talking about his relationship to his grandfather who recorded the tape, who's died and his thoughts about death. Really interesting.
0: And they will be doing, so that was Felix Hubble and Connor Bateman, who are the co-founders of Static Vision, and they will be doing another event, a screening and interview with the directors on the 4th of April, and you can find those details on the Static Vision Facebook page and just sign up for updates and for the live stream. Couple of things Just to recap, we've talked about last week. Filmonic, the film collective in Melbourne, are doing screenings of shorts and interviews with the directors, a local filmmakers who can submit material on the thirty first of March. ACME and Melbourne Cinematech are doing virtual cinematech. They started with the Jafar Panahi Double last week. They will announce the next double on Tuesday night to stream from Wednesday. i'm um, Kino, the Filmonic equivalent in Sydney, Kino Sydney are having a short film that filmmakers on April, Pink Flamingo are doing watch parties via Facebook on Thursday nights. National Film and Sound Archive and Canberra are releasing content some live stream when... of JFF 2019 titles.
1: Oh, you dropped in and out. Basically, um, J- who's doing the JFF live stream?
0: Uh, JFF Online. It's not a live Japanese stream, Film but they're Festival. releasing their titles for free online. Um, and, and you can watch a number of Japanese films, some, many from the Music Lab Project. And four new things that have cropped up since we last spoke to you. Uh, Monsterfest are doing a video on demand. They are releasing a lot of their titles online uh, for the past couple of years and other Monsterfest-related films. You can find them at Monsterfest and also the Monster Pictures of arm. The Jewish International Film Festival of a video-on-demand service on their website, that's jiff.com.au, and they are doing streaming of films they released in 2019, in addition to a number of others. The Irish Film Festival are releasing on social media details of Irish Film Festival films from previous years and Irish cinema that will be available for streaming and download And as well as that, the Revelation Film Festival in Perth, they have an existing Rev On Demand service where they show films that have screened at the Revelation Film Festival over the past few years, and they are continuously adding new material to that. So those are all services you can seek out, streaming, watch together, have fun, and support local festivals, support local spaces and cinemas, and um, get out because they're they're going strong, and we want to keep it up while we are in the circumstance. And certainly there's going to be a big community online that's already cropped up and continuing to crop up around those spaces. But for the moment, we are talking Bond, James Bond, mine, and I think Virat's favorite series too, favorite film series?
2: Oh, definitely. Uh, Doctor yeah. Who comes very close. So, but yeah, that's TV. So That's I a guess.
0: TV series. That's TV. There, 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 was, there were Doctor Who films, but I think there we qualify yes. Doctor Who as a TV series. Yeah. Definitely. That's my, it is my favorite film series.
1: I'll say that I loved, I loved, sorry, I, I shouldn't cut off Glenn waxing about his fandom. I'll allow that to happen, but I'll just say that I was obsessed with Bond as a kid, but I didn't maintain the fandom. Uh, so I'm going to be the odd one out here in this discussion.
3: Uh,
2: I, I think it, yeah, it wasn't necessarily about like Bond and how you know sexy he is or whatever. I think it's more about the gadget freakiness for me. So like it was
1: I, for me, it was I, like he, things blow up and he's always got cool gadgets. And uh, yeah, that was it.
2: But also like it wasn't <laughs> necessarily about Bond. I think I was much more of a Q fan, and I thought you know. I wanted a job like Q did, you know, just to create cool gadgets that so Spice could use and whatever. And then, you know, it, how that was my dream job as a kid. I was like, that's all I want to do is basically create gadgets for Spice to use and cool shit and blow up things. And like Q and like wrote, would you never joke about your work? You'd never joke about it? No, never. You, Actually, I, I was a very model, you know, minority kid in that sense, you know, very serious about my work. Here's, you know, But I wanted to create cool shit, but I wasn't a cool kid, if that makes sense.
0: I loved what my, one of my all time favorite things about the Bond series, more than the character of Q, is Desmond Llewellyn's betrayal from '63 and from Rush of Love all the way through to '99 and The World is Not Enough. And my two favorite appearances, Goldfinger, where he gave that famous quote, but yeah. in Goldeneye, when he's doing the stinger missiles behind the headlights and the crutch. With the so the cast, with the rocket launcher, and the grenade pen. I love the line where Bond grabs his sandwich and says, "Don't touch that. It's my
1: lunch." That's my sandwich. That's so my lunch. Good. Is that? I
2: that's *Living
3: that. Daylights*. Is it?
1: Just...
0: <laughs> no, that's *GoldenEye*. No, that.
2: no, no. Oh, no. okay. No. I, 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 yeah, I love in, *Living I Daylights*.
0: Love in... It, 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 no, in *Living Daylights*, it's not the pen. It's the whistle Q gives him. And every time he has the wolf whistle, yes, the um, something explodes.
2: Yes. I, I, I also right. love in The World is Not Enough when uh, Q gives him the manual for the new car and Bond casually throws it and random guns pop out from the car and shoot the manual. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Can
0: I say, okay. Um,
2: <laughs> that, that that was done the
0: day, right? To well, get yeah. the ball. Okay. There we go. It was I, in, in the underground bunker. I've been there in London. Oh. I'm
1: kind of touching on something that... Um, probably will pop up in our conversation now or later. But um, just you, you mentioning the way that... Um, sorry, what's the actor who played Q called? Desmond Llewellyn. Desmond Llewellyn. The way that he was written off in World Is Not Enough, so how unsentimental it is, versus the way that they wrote out Judy Dench in Skyfall, really, I think, illustrates the different approach to Bond that's emerged with it in the Daniel Craig era.
0: Like in, in World he, Is Not Enough...
1: Llewellyn just goes down an elevator says some words that make it clear he's, he's going away and that's it it's like it's a nice little way of sending him out and his gadget you know um and that guy had been with Bond nearly since the beginning and yeah M- and yeah. M- Judy Dench's was great as M but she had only been around for a little bit and they had to give her this grand send-off like she's the one true love of Bond's life and um yeah. because the whole thing has become more soap opera-ish
0: um, I think we have to clarify though, Llewellyn did intend to retire following the Waterstone and Laugh, but my understanding was they always hoped to come back for die another day, that he did right. pass away. I think it was around the time the Waterstone and Laugh was coming out, but following the production of his scenes. And I think they just set up John Cleese knowing this guy is ultimately, we need someone new. John Cleese was not a good cue. I like Ben Whishaw in the role. I really he's like Ben charming. Wishaw. Ben Wishaw
2: is I, great, and, I, and I'm really happy. He's a great actor, generally. It. Taken a younger Q because it was always, you know, it works really well. Father figure to Bond kind of thing, yeah.
1: Yeah, instead having him be this, um, having if anything, but with the way that Spectre played it, you know, I rewatched Spectre the last week. Um, I'll say that thinking about the way that Q's played, when you were saying in in Spectre, it's more like Bond is the father figure to him, right? Yes, if anything, yeah, yeah. But, um, what do we think about Spectre,
0: right? I I like Spectre. I think it's underrated. I like it for a few reasons. Firstly, it is, out of all the Craig Bonds, it is the most Bond film. Bond isn't an action film. Bond is a genre unto itself. I like the fact that they opened with the title credits and the gun barrel. I like the fact that Q came to visit him in the field like he did in most movies. I like the fact that it all the structure of Bond film, which is we're just fine, it's a traditional, it's what we like and want from a Bond film. And there were... The fan service elements to it, there were a lot of hardbacks throughout the series. Some were subtle, some were, uh, whether it be the three-minute timer in Goldeneye or the boat chase along the Thames in the water, they were more subtle, I liked that. Others were a little more blatant, like the very stupid uh, retcon where they showed the pictures of all the villains from the past three films in the stupid maze. I didn't like the final scene in the film. I, oh. But I enjoyed <laughs> it. I don't think it's on the level of skyfall. I think it's very easy to rank the Craig Bond films But I did I I did thoroughly enjoy it for the most part, and I like to Do. And we're going to go on to talk about later how the extent to which
3: yeah, I'm going to
0: indulge you rather than a series. I'm going to interrupt you there again because I
3: don't
2: think it's that easy to rank the Craig films. I think we're going to have a very different ranking once uh, I get done with because yeah,
0: interesting. Uh, Okay. All right. What's what what what's your what's your ranking?
2: Okay. So my favorite Bond and Craig Bond film is Casino Royale. I think that there was a definitive Craig Bond film. Oh, yeah. it's. I it, agree. Oh,
0: no question. Because also but my it, it very Casino Royale, too. Skyfall, Spectre, Quantum. Uh
2: no, I would say Quantum was better than Spectre. Spectre is definitely my least favorite. Wow. Mostly
3: wow. B-
1: I'd strongly disagree. <laughs>
2: okay. Me too. Mostly um, because I, I felt it kind of jumped the shark and went the Sherlock way, especially with the. Your name is your half brother kind of scenario, which it I was did. just like, just don't do yeah. that. That uh, was
1: so a okay. Um, the Unspecter, with a few of the things Glenn said, um, I really like that it try that um, it tries to make Bond's team actual characters in the movie, as opposed that to just true. like that you get true. your that customary thing. Yeah. I think they did a good. They ha- I think they thought that their mission is to really sell you on Ralph Rofeens as uh, as M, and I think they actually succeeded He's at that. I man. thought. He was really, he has the kind of stern intensity where it's like, don't mess with this guy, but he also, you believe that he's a good dude. Yeah. Um, also
0: he, he was really good. With, ben it's ben Wishaw. The approach, which worked really well. Yeah,
1: yeah. Ben Wishaw, great, really good as Q in this film. Um, I like that the, it tries to introduce some level of spy intrigue back into the series as opposed to just being kind of like a string of action scenes, which is vaguely spy themed. There's actually a degree of espionage, though it still leans more in the action movie direction. Yeah, there there are some good things about it for sure. But um, when you were saying about the the stupid red isn't it kind of like Rise of Skywalker? Like all of the villains were me. <laughs>
0: It feels a little bit like that. I I, I give them more credit than that for the reason that um, while initially they were going to re Spectre as Quantum, they brought it under the Spectre umbrella. Ultimately, Spectre's always been a part of the Bond series. Yes, that's true. Even it was consistent with Quantum of Solace. Um, On the matter of the good things about Spectre, two things I really liked. One is that it integrated the humor as Bond always best has within the action scenes is a great scene where he's about to beat up a guy and just says no and the guy doesn't uh, yeah yeah responds. yeah the humor
1: isn't overplayed like it became with you know starting really with uh, i guess the latter sean connery films but it really kicked off with roger moore
2: oh my god the other but i think the there's a difference in the sean connery style of humor and the roger moore style of humor but the roger moore style of humor is so camp it is so yeah. over the top that you can't really even oh. take it seriously at all where the Sean Connery no. thing, the humor no. we use interspersely... Culminating
1: in James Bond disguising himself as a clown. <laughs> a thing that should never have happened.
2: All right.
0: I, I'm, I'm happy to defend aspects of Octopussy, but um, to this Come point... Come on, that, that was great. Just, just, that, just, is, that is and, a great But film. I won't defend and just, that. And, just, and just, 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 to, just to finish on Spectre, the every Bond was best when they were a character roger moore was a character done to himself so was connery and so was craig one of my all-time favorite sequences of any bond film any action film recent memory is the foot chase at the beginning of Casino Royale, oh, so where, we're, where we're learning a yeah. lot about Craig's character, where the guy, where the bad guy jumps through a window, Craig just blasts us through. Where well, he tries to weave through the construction site, Craig just comes through on the bulldozer. We're learning about his character, and they continued that. One of the best scenes in Spectre was the sequence where when Dave Bautista's character uh, Hinks, I think his name was, um, kidnaps Lea Bond responds with just getting a massive plane and crashing it through their car. And yeah. I enjoyed that. We were, there, there was a consistency to his treatment. Um, there was consistency Look, to Roger Moore's treatment too, though. Granted, I didn't enjoy the characterization as much, but at least
2: the I, I, oddness, I think, I think, uh, was, was
1: Can, a I, can I, think, I just say? Um, oh, sorry. No, go I, on. Uh, just on on Spectre, because I, I watched it a few days ago, so I have you know axe to grind. Um, when when you mentioned Sherlock, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think, but the, the Sherlock took inspiration. Um, as everything around that period seemed to uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, Skyfall, from The Dark Knight, right? Um, you know, with the, like I've I I meant to be captured, you know, it was all part of my plan. Um, that that plot device just kept on popping up, um, and it, that it feels like mo- it's really hard for films to get away from The Dark Knight these days because Inspector Blofeld, you know, just came across as like Joker, like that, like I've like his, he, he does that same Dark Knight trick where it's like, you've got three minutes, are you going to be able to save your girl? And he, he you know, he's spray painting James Bond on the wall of remembrance. It's like, these are very Joker-esque things. These aren't things I associate with Blofeld.
0: Yeah. I didn't, what made it less a for me, the way they characterized Blofeld, especially as his brother, was the fact that Goldmember parodied this so well and they should have taken their props and direction from that. I, mm-hmm. I, I know there was a time into darkness and else where everything was dark night. For me, it was more blatant, but also more enjoyable Sherlock. in the cinematography. Yeah. Um, The great sequence where, um, where Bond is running across the marsh at the end of Skyfall, the fight, I think where they're in, I think it's, they're in Southeast Asia and that he and the other assassin are fighting. And you can't always tell which one is which. And I enjoyed the Oh, craft. that was a great,
1: yeah, that was beautiful. Roger Deakins yeah. uh, uh, doing great work with the lighting.
0: Yeah. Actually, one sure. of the on most that, controversial things... Sorry, go on. Just one thing that annoyed me, and it's a general bugbear with the series. Um, I liked the staging of the choreography in that fight scene, but then it ends with what is very clearly a CGI-focused scene, where Craig is holding the guy out the window. Um, As it was when Craig grabbed on the elevator later, earlier in the movie, Correct. James Bond has always relied on stunt work. The best stuff, even in the later era Roger Moore films, was stunt work. And the most infamous example of this is in Die of the Day, where he's skiing over the tidal wave. Oh, why man. not just have. Like, we, we, don't, we don't mind low scale stuff, but Bond's always been appealing because it's just a regular, highly trained, very fit dude who can do this stuff. Why not just have the stunt work, which is what makes the CRL, well,
1: the
2: parkour chase, so good?
1: It's brilliant, but that what rewatching. One of,
2: the, one of the more controversial things, and maybe we can discuss this as well, is that Skyfall has fallen in estimation for me, and Quantum of Solace has risen somewhat because of uh, how different that is and how it sticks out. And Skyfall kind of becomes too soapy on a rewatch, and I recently rewatched it, and I'm just like, I'm not able to buy into that emotion because that emotion seems too much for a Bond era thing almost. But well, that's.
1: This is, this is what Glenn was talking about with the anthologization, I'm sorry, versus serialization. Series, yeah, yeah um, it's the same. I, I commented on this. I took my cues from Mazzola's sides talking about how soap operas never went away. They've just infiltrated every single um, mass entertainment property now. Uh, and the, yeah, I was reminded of this when we were watching Bad Boys for Life recently. And you know, it's the same in Bond. Suddenly they want you to care about it. So every, everything becomes about the main character's family. My my long you know, my long and, lost and, relatives. And,
2: and that's with everything, right? Fast and furious is like I don't have friends, I have family. Yeah. Like it's okay, all every, about family. Every, every, every franchise is that or every Marvel yeah, Cinematic Universe almost like that. Family
1: is the hook to make you care about a character and tie it into further installments. It's the soap opera trick. Um, yeah, and, and and it's never Bond, but like no one likes Bond because they deeply care about Bond the person. Yeah. That, no. can Bond the person can be a person you care about. They did it really well yeah. in some of the films, and Casino Royale is one of them. I think yeah. you genuinely cared about him as a person, but not to the sense that I want to know about. Exactly, you, know, like you care Miami about Bond the
2: ideal, what Bond stands for, like the Bond the character rather than Bond the person. To be honest, it's actually the opposite yeah. way around. Yeah,
3: what but it's what more you than that. that Bond mean?
2: again
0: is a, it's it's a genre in and of itself. Yeah, We're fine with variations on a theme. The problem with Skyfall was that. The, Bond, the person who fulfilled the place of the Bond girl in respects was M. There was a typical arc for Bond, and it was strange. It's something we're caused to care about a character in a way that Ian Fleming w- w- warranted in the books, but which is not of the nature of the genre which the films are operating in. And you look at it compared to the times when they've gone for continuity or the style in the past and Manchester Secret Service was the first occasion. Um, it didn't have too much of an impact on the story because the film just ended on that note, but the, whole, the regular trajectory was there. Diamonds of Forever started with that continuity where Bond's going on a revenge spree, even though it's not clear, but it's incredibly jarring. Theorize Only continued with this arc of him losing Tracy uh, at the beginning of the film. But again, it didn't inform overall narrative. It was just a tidbit. And the same thing with License to Kill, where they bring it up, but doesn't affect the overall storyline. They seem to be obsessed with continuing this universe of Bond as opposed to just bit by bit by bit when yeah. we're happy to join Bond at any time, any place. Okay. Um,
1: you, two, two, two thoughts to that. Um, with regard to the, this thing about Tracy, you know, in, in on Her Majesty's Secret... We're referring to
0: Tracy Lord, the um, D- D- Diane Ring, Diana Rigg character in Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, it was early enough in the Bond films series that though he was a womanizer, you could basically go, oh yeah, maybe he has decided he's had enough and he wants to, he found a woman he really loves and he wants to settle down. But like by the time of um, uh, Spectre, We've seen so many Bond films that it you need to really, really sell you on the idea that like, oh, he he's found the woman he really wants to settle down it, with or he really loves, like in Lea Sido. And I was not sold in the same way that you were not sold with uh, the real way that the relationship with M is depicted in Skyfall. Like the emotional resonance just was not there.
2: Also like Bond falling for a psychologist will not happen. I mean, that's just, <laughs> you know, that is just... No. That's word. Any <laughs> no, no. I,
0: I, the, the, Madeline Swan, the most uh, highbrow of all the double entendre names, which, which I did appreciate. Uh, I don't. I didn't buy the whole lace to character. I think there was no. a some reason that there was much more of charisma and chemistry between him and Vespa Lind, uh, the
3: yeah. Ukrainian oh, character scenario. Green. Yeah. Um, Way and more.
0: On that. On that. The well, the reason I don't like Quantum of Solace is that it operates as a direct sequel. And we're not treating to any characters in this scenes. regard. Where All we're talking about is characters from the last part, from the last film. And I like the final scene, Quantum of where we seem to have put an end to this. It was semi-fine as a one-off experiment, but the, I don't like them continuing on this trajectory, and I don't oh, buy I, the laser. Yeah, I, I, I don't like that they would do it again, but I'm glad that the they fact still did that it. She is a main part of this new film as well. At least that is what we know from the
1: trailers. Well, I think if you're going to go with the continuing saga approach, you need to have a way better story. Um, I I would be hypothetically okay with this long, sprawling, interconnected James Bond thing. It's a different approach, but there's no reason why they couldn't do that well. But then it's all kind of tossed off because they're still making it up as, as they go along to a large extent with no overarching plan Um, with, you know, sort of like overtures towards being connected without the films actually feeling that connected. Um, And the thing is, there's a huge trade-off if you choose to go the interconnected route because um, it takes away the freedom. And as Glenn says, Bond is a genre. Um, You have room to riff on it. The less connected the films are, the easier it is to have some fun and probably make a better film.
0: And I want to give you an example of a time when you could establish a character backstory, you could establish emotional resonance, but still stick with the archetype of Bond. A good example of this is the Terry Hatcher character um Mrs. Carver in Tomorrow Never Dies. We learn about her and Bond's backstory. She passes away. It's very sad. It has an impact and has the same sort of impact that um they intended in Quantum assaults in the other films. Um you saw this in other examples. Uh the relationship he had in Man with the Golden Gun to an extent with the Maud Adams character. Certainly only lived twice. The character he has caused to marry is an emotional resonance, but it keeps within what we find appealing and traditional and enjoyable from the Bond franchise and they're taking their cues from general blockbusters. It doesn't work as well. I hope following No Time to Die that they continue to, as Spectre hinted at, just going towards the anthology mode than um, has been the case of the past 10 years.
1: I hope so. Talking about some of the trends we do and don't like about the current Bond series, I really hate how in every single Bond film he has to be a rogue agent. He's just a superhero as opposed to serving queen and country going on missions.
2: But it's also so weird that he's somehow part of the mi 6 and he's rogue. Yeah, when he like,
1: he disobeys them and it goes on.
2: <laughs> Mainstream spy agency in the world. <laughs> at
1: least Spectre tried to roll it back a little bit, where he's still a rogue agent. But at the end, it's you know it's because he had to go deep undercover, and everyone understands that that's, it, it's that's really about serving MI6 th- at the end.
2: The reason why but I still, love the Roger Moore era, right, where you had the Cold War set up and union he could Jack really parachute. Yeah, he could really lead into yeah. the kind of support from MI6 especially in films like The Spy Who Loved Me and whatever, and he could really lean into that and be like, I'm a British agent, and look at this British charm, and I can charm you off my feet, and all these American uh, uh, and all these Americans have no class, and look at me ordering my martini and being so suave about it. Mm -hmm.
3: I
0: I think it happens in the Craig ones, too. There's that great shot at the end of skyfall of the british flag as he's staring over the top of mi6 i do, it does frustrate me that in cassia at the end of casino royale the entirety of quantum of solace interesting kind of like in the wild films mission impossible is a perfect companion piece he feels he has to go rogue to put it in context the only times he ever went rogue in the entirety of the series up to the craig era was three times number one in 69 a majesty service where he was given two weeks sorry I was doing air quotes you're not going to see it on the radio um, two weeks <laughs> administrative leave and just went off to do what he wanted um, in License to Kill he goes to the film he goes rogue because he's on a revenge trip it's a broader criticism of License to Kill we're getting into later the third time was for a one part of an acting dialogue of the day following his release from prison where he decides to go after Zhao and that only was a part of the film where halfway through he's and I quote by M welcome back but it has to be every single Dan and Craig Bond film because it has to be different. But again, Bond doesn't have to be different. Bond just has no. to be Bond and we will turn up in droves.
1: I think it's two factors. Um, I think one is the looming shadow of the Jason Bourne films where it's all about the, you know the government is your enemy. And two is the broader um, zeitgeist of the time, which the Bourne films are building on where you, we do not trust the government. So the idea of this, this like almost nationalistic, like, rah, rah, England, I'm here to serve the government and, to, and make England's enemies pay, doesn't maybe, okay. or that producers feel that wouldn't appeal to people so much. But that's, the thing is Bond has always been removed from real life espionage anyway. It's always been a fantasy.
2: That's true. And actually I think it's an interesting companion hot take. I felt the first Kingsman film was a better Bond film because of the nationalistic undertones does I Manners make it Man
0: Magic was a better Bond film.
2: With with Colin Firth Spy uh, was a better
1: Bond film than a lot of recent Craig
2: <laughs> Bond films.
1: With Melissa McCarthy. Yeah.
2: Because I think uh yeah. yeah, I think ever since even the P.S. Boston era to a degree, uh Bond is trying to become a mix of Mission Impossible and Jason Bourne The the missions are becoming more yeah. and more and it- ludicrous and it's it's less about, you know, the actual suave aspects of Bond and what he represented the character and more about the impossibility of being able to, him being able to achieve something rather than the actual uh, but there's, there's, fun of it. The, 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 I feel there's a difference here.
0: I don't think it's an error uh, element of the Burleson films more than the Craig films. It's only from Quantum of Solace, which just felt like the Bond supremacy more than any other. The Burleson films continued more of the Roger Moore trajectory just being more and more ridiculous. But every, each of these three series um, have a different born mission impossible bond have a different element going for them bond is you know he's going to survive we want to see how he does it born is the scrappy rogue guy we don't know quite what's going to happen but we want to see him do lo-fi technical stuff whereas bond has access to all these gadgets with mission impossible it, it is intrinsic to the appeal of the series and also its storyline that the imf is compromised and ethan hunt it's interesting but this isn't the element that makes mission impossible interesting it's the thing that makes mission impossible genre unto itself famous bond you don't need to mimic Mission Impossible. And that's what's terrible. All these series, Jason Bourne comes off the back of James Bond, and now the imitator, the, imitate, the original is imitating the imitator. It's no good. And I wish Agreed. they just had the confidence to continue on what, is always, what has made Bond a stalwart for 50, 60 50 years. And on this, Bond has survived. There's, there's all this stuff, conversation about Bond being antiquated as a character. an element which Gold and I covered after a six year hiatus to very good effect. I appreciate that Bond himself is a relic of a fall in respects of a form of brashness, masculinity, and misogyny, which has dissipated to some extent over the course of decades, but there are, there is still an inherent interest and relevance to so many tangents of his character, particularly as regards how he is so slavish and devoted to country and a basic idea that at the end of the day he he's he's uncompromisable his sense of good always triumph over evil that is still relevant and I, I i wish they would keep to that more as opposed to going in the some of the tangents they've been going off on the style of mission impossible and born over the past 10 years
1: Can't argue with that
2: yeah that's that's correct that's actually a very 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 sound analysis very eloquent way very of eloquent,
1: saying, saying it Rewatching some of the uh, first Bond films before we did this, I was struck by how simple the early Bond films are. And I really liked how they had a focus on espionage compared to the recent ones. Don't get me wrong. They've never been realistic spy movies. They've always been had that, you know, huge supervillain layers and big fantasy elements, uh, crazy gadgets, you know, coming in though. They weren't that crazy to start with. They were just kind of nifty in from Russia with love. Um, <laughs> but uh they got the, progressively sh- ridiculous
2: knife in the shoe uh, on the heel right knife right shoe, yeah.
1: yeah move the but the whole it, it,
0: from love was one of the first books like the early books were pure were based on playing experience in the espionage world they were more grounded and then suddenly had to get more and more ridiculous to maintain interest in the likes of thunderball and moonraker
3: yeah
1: the Yo, the your voice
0: is playing solitaire
1: right exactly yeah um i i like that approach i i like how grounded they are and that the spy element doesn't get lost i don't like how as i touched on earlier when we were talking about specter a lot of the time these days Bond films are basically just like superhero action with like a spy theme it, like he goes from place to place where big action scenes happen i like there to be more of an underlying i mean it, it's a big espionage. issue
2: that we were discussing with films like book Smarthead, right where it felt like it's one crazy thing leading to another crazy setup, leading to another crazy setup. It's like it's the, the overinflated... To B to, B to C, to, to, to D to E, rather than actually some kind of coherent. Here's why you would go from place A to place B, rather than just it's the, one location to another location.
1: It's the overinflated style of media at the moment, where you want these huge, big set pieces or which you know, might be, be comedy set pieces in the case of Books Matter and might be big action scenes in the case of Bond. And uh, the plot is secondary, so the, what inter- what connects them doesn't really matter in the, in terms of the priorities when the, of how these things are being written.
0: Now, I, notably, the two Bond films which most follow the es- traditional espionage template in Le Carre style um, are from Russia of Love, which I adore. It's my favourite of the early Connery. But moreover, it's so, so good. Um, I think um Chris and I take the view one of the most un- under I thought the most underrated bond film the living daylights the living Daylight.
1: I was going to mention living daylights your
0: cold war espionage
1: yeah I was actually thinking about that nice. while I was it is
0: one of the best bond films and it's got one of the best themes which you played at the beginning of the mo- of the show
1: yeah I was thinking about that when I when I was um saying that about the early Connery films. I really like that Living Daylights brought it back to that. I think partly that might be because it was Timothy Dalton's preference to ground it in the early Fleming stuff, because he was a reportedly a big fan. Um License to Kill was a different direction, I think, because they were courting an American audience who they thought weren't as familiar with Bond reportedly. Um and that I think that was a mistake, though it's still not a not a bad 80s action movie. Um but uh yeah, Living Daylights is what the one that I watched the most as a kid. I think um, so, uh, along with some of the early Connery ones, and maybe it's just hard for me to get away from that preference. Um, but I, I, I really like that approach. I like where it still, to some extent, feels like a smart movie as well as escapist thrills.
0: And you can have that mix. Let me. That's one of the ones I watched rewatch most. Um, the one mm. I, the first one I ever watched, and also one of the ones I rewatched most, the most familiar with. Well, because the game is Goldeneye. Now, Goldeneye had the right balance between the low-scale espionage stuff and the big set piece. It, it has the amazing yeah. practical stunts at the beginning and also one of the Bond world records that the series made of dumping off the dam. It had the, uh, the base exploding, but it also had the giant dish coming up. And that yes. was ridiculous, but it worked out of the Cold War paranoia and so it was cool. grounded enough for a bond film it struck a also balance. also one of the the, uh, the, the tank chase
2: outstanding yeah outstanding. But, but you're right
1: goldeneye still had a great spy plot goldeneye is one of the all-time best great, i think
2: great great spy plots one My of the favorite. best twists as well you know when when the twist happened you actually i couldn't predict it, it actually it's yep. very well it's a good reveal and i was like oh, yeah, okay. alex Trevelyan.
1: it was such a good revival for bond but like part of me is sad that you know, it wasn't written initially to be this big revival. It was meant to be the third Timothy Dalton Bond, and it would have been perfect for Timothy Dalton. In that film, you can see Pierce Brosnan playing it closer to the way Timothy Dalton played it, and after that... He also, Pierce Brosnan at direction.
3: that
2: point looked a lot like Timothy Dalton as well. A younger Pierce Brosnan, actually... Probably why he was he cast. Similar face so, card.
0: Pierce Brosnan... Yeah. I feel, I feel so sorry for Pierce Brosnan. So Pierce Brosnan, in 83, was cast as Bond instead of Roger Moore. Wow. But what happened was... Um, when he got, he, he, because he'd finished his two scenes of Remington Steel, because he, there was such a revival of interest in him because of Bond, the terrible producers at Remington Steel said, oh, you're popular now. We're going to X has option for a third series. And therefore, uh, you uh, Bond. you been a very it young Bond. You've been a young Bond. But he was right for it in 95. I think he clearly wasn't as comfortable with the role and especially the physicality of the role. Tomorrow Never Dies and post that. GoldenEye's still my favorite of his. I would have loved to see Pierce Brosnan in the late 80s, early 90s era, the Death Train era, doing Bond. Um, certainly, mm-hmm. he looks the part physically. Like he is actually the physical description of what Bond looks like in the books, down to the black curl. Um, I, I, I I appreciate. I prefer Dalton to Brosnan. I'd like to see Dalton's take in Goldeneye, but I adored Pierce Brosnan's take.
2: And yeah, again, it is my. He was great in Goldeneye. No. Refresh my memory: Why Dalton didn't do the Goldeneye? Like
1: why they? It was caught up in legal dra- um, drama as ha- the bond rights to Bond. I'm pretty sure, uh, as happened again in the the huge gap between Quantum of Sol- Solace and Skyfall. Oh. Um, uh, It wasn't so huge, but four years when they had a plan to get it out every two years. Um, But yeah, for that reason, there was a six-year gap, and Timothy Dalton was offered Goldeneye when they sorted it all out, but he said, I feel I'm too old for the character. You should pass it on to someone else.
2: Oh, come on. (laughs) Don't be that guy i know yeah he
1: should have he should have done it he should have stayed with it he There's was no probably wonder. too conscious because apparently he was a big fan of the books and he wanted to end the early films and he wanted to do a corrective after the roger moore films when he came in and had was very hands on in terms of shaping how the character would be portrayed so i wonder if he was just too hyper conscious of how old roger moore looked and was like oh. no, no no no, let's keep it young
0: but yeah. in defense of Dalton, in the latter roger and- moore films and in defense of Dalton, and it's one of the things I dislike about the Craig films, whenever there's a big jump, there was a six-year jump after License to Kill, there was a four-year jump after Quantum. Now there's a five-year jump. The mm. producers always felt, even though they didn't have to, for the reasons we've discussed, need to acknowledge this. When the first two Craig films, it was very much the scrappy recruit. He was new. And then suddenly, four years later, it's the next film. And people are saying, old dog, new tricks, your old hat now. He's gone from the scrappy recruit to suddenly, you're this uber veteran who should be retiring it's terrible. that's the
1: that's the prop this is goes back to what i was saying earlier on about how they're making it up as they go along they don't have any grand plan like with the uh, you know they were looking at serializing it with quantum of solace then with um skyfall clearly they thought people didn't like quantum of solace let's go back to a film that celebrates bond's history that plays it like Um, not like Bond is this new recruit but more like the typical way where he just steps into the the footsteps of this eternal character and then later on they've decided that actually the villain in Skyfall was part of Spectre and it was all part of this grand plan and it's serialised again
3: (laughs)
0: Um, There there were hints of it in Skyfall and Fairs for the reasons discussed earlier but it felt like a needless oh we want to tie this all together and it would have been fine if that was Craig's last film. I don't have a problem with him coming back I think he's still good for it but they should have a broader plan. They should know. And same in 83. They shouldn't have cast Roger Moore for two more films. He wasn't down for us.
1: He was so old in, in A View to a Kill, and uh, especially A View to a Kill. Yeah. He's, He's just looking so old. But like, he doesn't look young for 60. It's not like Tom Cruise. Yeah. He to
0: looks put it in old. context, um, Roger Moore is only a year younger than Connery. Moore almost got the role in 62. The only reason he didn't and he was much more famous than Connery was because he was more closely associated with The Saint. When The Saint finished they said oh you can do it now but honestly Live and Let Die and Man with the Golden Gun to an extent are the ones where that's what they kind of bonded they wanted from Moore and then following that uh, by necessity to an extent because of the time and also I think what Roger Moore was prepared to give the series it had to go into a more campier direction to acknowledge mm. just the absurdity of particularly some of the what we saw in a View to a Kill the awkward sequences with um, Grace Jones with um, the young Bond girl in Silicon Valley the uh, I forget her name with the robot canine dog it was oh yeah yeah it
2: it's just oh. that um, it's sad that Grace Jones got such an ordeal, though, because she's you know,
1: she's brilliant. Yeah, she's
2: great. Also, that's for note. Dolph Lundgren's first movie.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 the thing about all long running series. Like at some point, they become a parody of themselves. And when when do you embrace that? Bond decided but, to embrace it with Roger Moore, and then they embraced it again with Pierce Brosnan, and now was really serious again. I wonder if Bond is going to just keep continuing. Probably, but I, but I, we're going to see I, I, another disagree. silly one soon.
0: I, I think you have to realise that... I, 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 sorry, I, th- I think it has to be noted that the Craig films, as they are scripted and directed, are very serious. But Craig, ever since Skyfall, and to a great extent was Spectre, is operating at a campier register he took it very seriously in the first two films he's operating in a different tenor than the screenplay and i think is
2: after he came up there. with the line that i, I think so I set my wrist and do it again i think he's just not giving any oh no i, I agree with chris that was just
0: a negotiating tactic and spectacularly played his spectacular <laughs> sorry, <spectacularly well> <laughs>
1: yeah but. um <laughs> yeah, you were saying you really like Quantum of Solace And I can't let this episode end without interrogating you as to why I just found that movie so dull
0: it's the, I, I okay. hate the moment where he walks up to the lake and it's like Oh, wait a minute, it's the water I just realised it's the water <laughs> oh, so The CGI, the way the opening scene is shot It's so choppy, like the worst of the shaky cam from Jason Bourne I, a it's, Terrible it's, sequence with the plane chasing it's like, each other it's copying Bond, the bad I mean, Bond villain.
1: Yeah, it's copying the Bond style, but it's also hiring a director with no grounding in action whatsoever. And to yes, but Bond films always rely strongly I, on the second unit director, right, I, for, I, for, I, for I, handling the terrible. action. But I think it makes a difference to have, even though the second unit director is really is going to, you know, basically handle the action, to have the official director have some kind of a vision and an idea and be able to steer that process, I think clearly matters because when they hire someone like Mark Forster, the action suddenly becomes terrible. Whereas oh, when you hire, yeah. Martin, Campbell, uh, when you hire is- Martin Campbell, a veteran action movie director, um, it suddenly is great.
0: It's imperceptible. One thing I did like at Quantum Solace, just to note, um, the naming of the villain Dominic Green, CEO of Green Planet, this environmentalist oh, right. hell bent. Well, that was quite funny. I we'll hark back to the earlier ones. But that's the thing. That.
2: That's why I kind of bring up Kingsman because that I think there was a direct uh, parody of Quantum Solace in making the environmentalist as a villain in that film as well, which is you know. Uh, Although um, Valentine,
1: coupled okay. with the evil drug dealer who is, you know, going to don't touch the weed, the the, de- the dealer might have, who knows what the dealer's put in your drugs. Plotline in Kingsman Two, we can definitely see a conservative, conservative ideology coming through in a lot of ways in the Kingsman movies. Like, oh, you know, knowing knowing now what I know about Matthew Vaughan and seeing the way that Kingsman Two played out as well, um, i was just like man. You, I gave the benefit of the doubt with the first Kingsman, but you were sly making the, the global warming campaigner actually an evil supervillain. Exactly. Who has some nefarious I mean, I mean, hidden agenda. Like it's, it's really, really clever. Propaganda it's, in some ways.
2: It's it's, it's it's so clever. I mean, Bond has always been a conservative uh, tentpole let's be honest about that. He's, he's yeah, not, that's it's true. not just nationalist, he's also a conservative one. Yeah,
1: he, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy Kingsman. Yeah, I'm just saying, so people I, should I, be I just, aware yeah. that it, it's carrying a, a strong it, conservative it, it, agenda. It is our theme it song, is. guys. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It is carrying a strong conservative agenda, um, which you know smuggled under the act but straight it, but, down the line action but, movie but it's style.
2: Also, it's also obvious. I mean, you know, you have a you have the chavs and the toffs, so it's clearly Eggsy needs to be reformed into. That's a, right. Into, into a, a gentleman. Yeah, it was hilarious. Then, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. But, it's actually the perfect parody. of <laughs> Um, two th- one, thing I, I know one thing
0: I liked about Quantum of Solace, one thing I didn't like, one thing I liked was the elevator fight scene in the big villa that was well staged compared to the likes of, say, Captain America. And um, the one thing I really hated, the character of Mathis, they treat it like the M, char- like the treatment of M in Skyfalls. This, oh, there's such a sad moment, this character we don't know and had no real reason to care about. It reminds me of the death of Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It's treated as a big, grand thing and really we're just wait a minute, this is this minor character we <laughs> haven't really been introduced to. Why are we yeah. supposed to be okay, invested? I'm, I'm
2: going gonna, I'm gonna to say this about Quantum of Solace. Uh, yes, it's a bad Bond film, but it's also a very different Bond film. And I think it sticks out in the canon. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's something that you remember because of how odd it is. And yeah,
0: okay. I, I remember the final scene. The final scene was great, where he just says, this man, the, he's lining up, this man and I have some unfinished business. Pure Bond um excellently staged That'll
1: can i just say that, that that it's amazing to me um it shows that every, anything becomes normalized with time that now we're just accepting and talking about it like it's normal there's a film called quantum of solace it's
0: the most ridiculous title
3: <laughs> okay, when it so was announced this, this was another bad it. sorry that the was
2: the great that was great great You're right. so, no it's true like the, the
0: reason <laughs> okay. it's called quantum of solace it's because it's a short story was, by and it should my... they, it's it, it, it's a yeah it's one of, it's one of the titles from Fleming they haven't used the others they <laughs> haven't used it are the Hildebrand rarity which they've referenced in Spectre. Quantum of Solace and this is for telling the, the short story isn't actually about Bond it's Bond, yeah. Bond's in it but it's just him being told a story which has nothing to do with Bond so they could sell an unrelated short story as a Bond story and that should have been a warning sign not to use this Stupid title at all. This title makes sense in the context of the short story. It makes no sense in the context of this. It just it sounds like a Bond film. Maybe we should do it. But, and, but, and then yeah. but maybe maybe Quantum they were. As the Spectre organization, so
2: dumb. But maybe but, yeah, they but were but staying true to, to the short story by saying, Hang on, we're going to pull the wool over your eyes. You think this is a Bond film. But actually, like the short story, which is not about Bond at all, this is also not a Bond film in the typical way. But it the thing is, not a, all along.
1: The, well, look. The, the, the organization is called Quantum. That makes I, um, that makes the title make even less sense because
0: it's like Spectre of of loneliness. But <laughs> you know, like, Spectre stood for something. <laughs> Literally, Spectre was special protectorate for extortion, counter- terrorism, terrorism, something, something, revenge, and 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 extortion. Is, extortion. Revenge and extortion. What does Quantum stand for? I, I don't know.
2: Pound it, of flesh. It, it, it of was,
1: sounds cool.
0: It, it sounds cool.
2: I want oh, my pound so, of flesh. I want a Sherlock. I want my quantum of solace. You know, it, it's fine. It's fine. Right. <laughs> it's right. Just a
1: quantum. Did you guys ever see the thing with Joe Cornish and um uh, I've forgotten the other guy on BBC where they, they had a competition when the name was announced of like come up with a theme song for quantum of solace. <laughs> Look it up on YouTube, people. It's really funny. yes,
0: yes, I did. It's it's y- yeah, um, it's so actually, good. Th- 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 Actually, the Jack Stripes Alicia Keys song "Another Way to Die" is quite not good. bad. Yeah, actually, this is something I appreciate about the Bond films. They've all, and I, I'm not a Billie Eilish fan, but they've always got popular contemporaneous artists perform modern style pop songs. So it's a great trajectory of pop music through the ages. Although
1: I'm, um, that. I'm still bitter about how they rejected the Radiohead Spectre song, which I thought was beautiful for um, the Sam Smith song. Though yep. the Sam Smith song is much more contemporary pop but it's also much more bland and forgettable whereas the radiohead song was it's, really memorable
0: it's the worst bond thing writing on the yeah. wall is the worst and, and bond song
1: that they had such a great song and one that could also as they did with the um the sam smith song integrate into the um orchestral score really well because it's a very orchestral theme The the radiohead spectre um that they didn't use that oh man and probably they were chasing chart appeal But the Sam Smith song was not a chart hit, so it was pointless.
0: Radiohead, Radiohead, great. Should have done Radiohead. Anyway, still opportunity. Um, All right, so maybe favorite Bond films?
1: And favorite Bond.
0: Favorite Bond. Should we do favorite Bond first? Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Sean Connery, easy one. Sean Connery,
0: yeah. Uh, It's hard to go past. He was my favorite for a long time, probably until Skyfall came out.
2: Timothy Dalton comes as really close second. I wish he got another film, and then that would have solidified. If he got a third film,
1: Sean, I've got to
2: give it. i got to give it a longevity,
0: though. As much as I like Dalton, there's only really one of his performances I really like. I, mean, I would love to see more of his films. but I can't rank him highly given the several contributions Connery made in the Parison.
3: I
1: think *License to Kill* is actually still a good film. Yeah, I agree. Like a good '80s action movie, is as opposed a to a Bond, Bond film. film. Yeah, yeah, and I think Timothy Dalton's still good in it. Um, I, I really like Timothy Dalton's take I really like this, I think, Dalton's take in GoldenEye for okay. me and I yeah. love Craig in um, uh-huh. Casino Royale like if I could split it over those three movies and give it to one movie each of those three guys yeah. it's great but Sean Connery has a really he he's really good yeah. he has the, the suaveness the smoothness the toughness I don't know he, it's hard
0: he, he, Connery also managed the humor and absurdity of the whole thing while Managing Without playing it, to it too still much. Managing to still pull off the violent action-driven aspects. I think Craig does it better, though. I think between the believable romance encounters, Craig has um, the physical action that he is required to do, the humour, and what required a drastic reinterpretation of the character in 06, and also changes to the character over now, the longest-running Bond. And Craig's done it for longer than Moore and Connor. He's the longest-standing Bond. I like him the most i also feel the um emotional encounters in at the end of quantum at the end of skyfall and at the end of casino royale um do him a great credit i granted the early conversation that bond doesn't need to be emotional but it does it still resonated and i liked that and it. It. it resonated more than connery getting angry at the bidding of diamonds forever and it resonated more than like, i won't say it resonated more than dalton losing his cool when his friend died because of the glass door in Living Daylights. But again, with Dalton, there's only one performance I'm strictly beholden to with him. And I feel Craig and Connery both have collectively just contributed more to the genre in the U over the course of several films. To their I,
1: have, I have to agree that, um, and this is, I guess, the short con- coming of Connery. It just depends on what you want from Bond films. But you are right that the romantic encounters with Connery play as nothing but camp yeah it's really um, silly the the womanizing and, and the way it's played and, and you there's know, no he's, he's just research. so impenetrable he's so impenetrably smooth
0: the one romantic encounter with connery that i liked was in the first film with honey rider the esler andrus character otherwise well,
1: a, he seems a little bit more
3: soft
0: yeah otherwise let, let's just remember from russia of love there's an incredibly awful encounter introduction he has to the um Ah, uh, Roma. What's her name? I'm sorry, I've forgotten her name. The main character from Rush of Love. I uh, was Pussy Galore. It's uh, oh my god! I, I was, like Arnold was, Blackman's no, take man. on the character, but it did it did not work well. I didn't mind his relationship with Domino and Thunderball. Um, but you only know, live twice. It was uh, I yeah, the the womanizing and the two of female characters was
1: not. That good. that's the movie that's the most over overblown with the sexism.
3: Yes, this is the that, that's the with one Tomins.
1: that that you watch and you're like. I cannot believe this. Like the rest of it and, you can see. And, like, and, right.
2: and the Orientalism in that one as well. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> as well. It's, it's yeah. Xenophobic
2: yeah. as well.
0: But yeah, when you watch and We talked last week about are Forever.
2: Right. Okay, it's, it's but probably, yeah like the it's, it's interesting
1: the early bond stuff like the yeah there's misogynistic touches but you can be, I, I find it more easy to yeah. be like all right this is a product of its time whereas some of these latter connery films it's just like whoa 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 this yeah, is hard it, to have and just like step back and contextualize
2: i mean it's easier for me to pick one favorite bond film from each of the actors who played it because i think that's an easier way to, for me to categorize. favorite lazenby
1: bond guys
2: no 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 that's fine we're gonna he skip was good. it yeah, he was and good. He was I'm,
0: good. I'm, I'm, just cracking a joke.
1: But I'm,
2: I'm just one. gonna, I'm just gonna skip him. So for me, for Connery, for Your Eyes Only, it's my favorite. Uh, Connery, from, for Your Eyes Only. Yeah. No, Roger Moore did for Your Eyes really? Only. Really? Sorry, I mean you. Wait. Yeah, sorry, did from you? Russia with, from Russia with love. That's sorry. That's from Russia with love. Yes. There you go. Sorry. It's, a, it's just
0: such a good spy film. Yeah. It's great. Cool. It's my favorite Connery too.
2: Yep. Cool. Me and too. Yeah. With Roger Moore, I love Moonraker. Moonraker was so much fun. <laughs> with Jaws. I, you know? love I watched it
1: so much as a kid. I loved so it. But it. It it's, epitomizes it's, it's, all these things we're talking about about the the
0: Roger Moore era. It's a Roger
1: the camp. Yeah. i would
2: like Roger Moore Moore the most.
0: Roger In an objective sense, but I've seen Moonraker the most. Um, yeah. Oh, so I lo- it, has- it's,
1: it It's it's really Bond becoming a kid series, like the way that they made Jaws cuddly.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it was fun though. But that's the thing. I didn't um, want to yeah. be scared by Jaws. I wanted to be like, oh, he's a formidable villain. But I can still be like, oh, it's gonna be okay, and with, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, with with uh, Brosnan, Goldeneye, and with Craig, oh. Real. So yeah, that's how it is.
0: Yeah, um, and mm-hmm. and, daylight, and the daylight uh, with, with, with Eye, Real.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Mo- Moonraker, God, Moonraker. The scene where the gondola turns into a car, and then the chase on the um on the what's it called the like, the conveyor belt the um the the between the mountain the two uh, I forget what it's called the cable cars and the absurd sequence with just going into space uh, wow Moonraker and the, wor- and the most outrageous naming of a Bond girl Dr. Holly Goodhead yeah
1: <laughs> can I just say it's funny that we're wrapping up and we've barely touched on the Brosnan era
2: Yeah, I think ra- Look, Tomorrow Never Dies is
1: a lot of fun
0: what?
2: yeah Michelle Yeoh was, was really good
1: yeah she's yeah. a great actress in general
0: yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies. She was one of the better Bond girls. I, I love I, Rupert
1: Murdoch as the villain.
0: Oh, oh, Carver. Like, 20, 17 British sailors killed. No, I can make it more sinister. 17 <laughs> British sailors murdered.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the other thing I really like in Tomorrow Never Dies, actually, I, I love the gadgets. I think it brought back the um, Roger Moore era gadget fetishism in a really fun way. Um, I, the car is great. The, the, chase one of the best scene The
0: car is great in the parking lot. i yeah,
1: the, the Hong Kong scene where he um, rides the the motorbike under the helicopter blades is so fun.
0: Oh, so cool. So cool. And a practical stunt. There wasn't a real helicopter, but they did barge the bike over there. Um, fun fact the hotel where um, Mrs. Carver is murdered. Um, it's, in, it's in Hamburg on the water. I went there and I tried to get up and apparently Bond fans every day get to that hotel, like, hey, can I go upstairs? And they're like, oh, you're a Bond fan? Um, no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. So did we, you-
3: We're we not going to get sued.
0: Yeah, no, I, I made a mission wherever I'm in. A, I had to try to find every Bond location across cost my lifetime. I, I know we're talking about Wait, mission, what was the- Wait, what? I found-
2: is, 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 that, is that part of your mission that you want to go to every Bond location?
0: Well, I, I wanna, I, when I travel, if I, in the city where Bond is filmed, I go to the Bond location. Of course.
2: Yes. There's, not, there's nothing of course about that, but okay. Fine. I, I, that's, yeah, that's What that's, do yeah. you do
0: when you travel? I don't know. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I, go to other touristy trip. places, maybe not just within the Bond? I see other
0: things. I went to London. Okay. I didn't just go to MI6. I, I, I saw like, you know, Bing Ben and is there other stuff that's not Bond? I don't
1: know. Uh, we Boo. Off-air, we were talking about World well, Is Not Enough. Um, a Terrible follow-up to the first two promising Pierce Brosnan films. It's just so dull. It
2: Doctor
3: is so Dr. Christmas dumb. Jones. Yeah, Christmas
2: Jones. We'll get to Christmas, but I think uh, what I was really <laughs> sort of struck by was firstly the Sophie Marshall's Damsel in distress Act, which is such a dead giveaway. It doesn't work. You can see it coming from a mile away. And also, then the most ludicrous nuclear detonation scene and the, the fight scene underwater. The fight scene
1: and the underwater at the end is like the worst, most anticlimactic way to end the film. Yeah. Um, uh, I, but that was bad um, with
0: the nuclear rod, yeah. yeah. Um, but also, however, with
1: Christmas Jones, all the Christmas puns. Oh my God. Christmas only uh, comes once a year.
0: Um, uh, I never oh had Christmas God. in Turkey. I have oh, had Christmas sh- in Turkey. I have done a Christmas in Turkey now. It was lovely. Uh, yeah, it, it was very bad. As was Denise Richards, I will give Wells sort of enough credit she, though, in she, that she, it was the only. She got only nothing film to
2: do. She only came in so late in the movie in the last forty minutes. She had nothing to do. Come on, you plenty, can't. The,
0: but plenty of Bond girls do that. That's the directory for a lot of the characters in these films. It's not inconsistent. Um, and she, I, I think she had plenty to do, just the characterization and her treatment and her performance too, just weren't very good. I will give Wilson well sort of enough credit though, in that I think it's the first Bond film after Goldeneye that I could think of my head. I'll go through them quickly, but where one of the female, main female characters, one of the Bond girls, turns out to be one of the main villains. I'm referring, of course, to Xenia Onatop, uh, who has followed the civil mm-hmm. trajectory, and I like that. It just Xenia was Xenia different. Yeah, Xenia Onatop. Vamki Jansen was amazing in that movie.
2: Yeah, I'm just... It's I'm one just, of the
0: best performances in I'm any I'm just giggling
2: about the double entendres in the names now. So that's... Good yeah, on the top. Mary Goodman. top. ollie Goodhead.
0: Yeah. Dr. Hollywood, yeah. Oh, God. I had a partner, may um, she rest in peace. Uh, she, her name was Dr. Holly and she loved that. She always found that incredibly funny. It's like, really? Really? There's a character that's <laughs> really good um, you
2: in know, the Really? The title name drops in the movies and World Is Not Enough definitely has one of the best ones.
3: The yeah, we were before. discussing
1: this before, like the um, World Is Not Enough at least it made sense. Like, oh yeah, you know, supervillains. Um, but enough. it's his family motto.
3: Enough. Yeah,
0: it, yeah, yeah. It actually is, they they mentioned them on a secret service.
1: Did they did they say tomorrow never dies in tomorrow never dies? I don't think they do.
0: Yes, they do. Oh, they do. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think they do in the scene in Vietnam where they're on the top of the skyscraper. It's no, so
1: or- it's so funny like that. There was this mandated must mention the title because I think I've spoken before about the story of how maybe not on the air the story of how tomorrow never dies got its title, which is just mm. a comedy of errors. There was an argument between the producers and the filmmakers um the director and the writer wanted to call it tomorrow never lies which was how what it was written but some producer had the idea that tomorrow never dies sounds cooler because bond cool death kill um <laughs> but they they produced the so they were appealing to the executives of the studio and saying look tomorrow never lies still sounds cool it makes sense in the context of the movie um and uh tomorrow never dies makes no sense <laughs> it's not groundhog yep. day um but uh what, so eventually their argument won out and so they decided to fax in, um, that the title was to be Tomorrow Never Lies but the person faxing got the message wrong and said we've decided on Tomorrow Never Dies okay. and so by that point they finalized the marketing materials. <laughs> That's seriously what happened. They just went well, oh well. I wonder if someone <laughs> oh somewhere was I, slipped I love, some money but, uh, but to they, uh, they get the message wrong. Drop
0: hard drop and I'd like to list my favorite t- uh, yeah, but it, 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 it works. It works with the film. Like, it works for the cabinet of it. And I'd like to list my favorite Bond title drops. Um, you only live twice, where Blofeld says it. Fewer eyes only, when the file's given to him. That's been a little octopusy. Was great in octopusy. Um, the worst one, and I, I have to give Chris credit. For a view to a kill, right? Out. What a what a view. What a view to a kill.
1: <laughs> um, what?
0: The living. The, the living daylights one was good, where Timothy Dalton says, "I bet we scared the living daylights out of her." Uh, that works. That worked. Uh, what is Not Enough was good. Um, die Another mm-hmm. Day, just because Pierce Brosnan had such a so delivery. So who lived of,
3: So time <laughs> to
0: die another day, Colonel Moon. Oh, <laughs>
3: uh, What was the was same. Yeah, no. I forget. Uh, uh, I think
2: the, the best oh, visual gag... So good, the best, so good. The best visual gag still was definitely In The World Is Not Enough. When, after, when he's trying to stop the detonation, it stops at 0, 0, 007 seconds. And it's uh, like oh my god. I was just like, oh classic. Oh, um,
0: but they, they did that in Goldfinger too. Stopped yeah. up the the, the weird seconds. thing
1: to, to rewind a bit, the weird thing about um, The World Is Not Enough is it has all these really campy cheese elements that were rattling off, but it feels really, really serious.
2: Yeah, like, it, it's like Rossman was trying to play super serious and except nothing is yeah, in that song.
1: It feels it feels so serious that like it's not fun at all when clearly yeah, like, they're also kind of hoping it would be cheesy fun it's
0: very strange it's stupid chase where everyone gets paraglider like <laughs> snowmobiles to attack that it's so dumb but then it's about a really serious plot what happens if the oil pipelines from the several major distributors yeah, actually, aren't able to yeah. distribute to to the western world like it's a it's a serious topical su- topical subject still is like okay yeah. credit for that it also has the thames boat chase you know you know, the first films get permission to film on the Thames. It it's the great scene in Bill Bow where he jumps out of the window using the elastic from the um, windowsill. Uh, it has the scene on the Millennium Dome where he falls onto it from the balloon. Like, the entire opening sequence of World Is Not Enough is good. really good. The rest of the film doesn't live up to it, but it's yeah. great. So, and okay, actually, there's something I hate about the World Is Not Enough. The sequence where the human Crispus Jones are in the pipe trying to defuse a nuclear bomb, when it eventually explodes... It explodes at three different points, and it's very obvious, even though there's only one center, epicenter of the explosion, and it's just these bad special effects. Like, guys, have more pride in your work. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the world is not enough. Uh, um, the game was good, though. The game was good.
1: Yeah. Um, man, the James Bond games, I was thinking they're a lot of fun, but I was thinking... The GoldenEye
2: it, game was definitely the best. I really enjoyed it. Well, oh, yeah, it's
1: an it's all-time classic. It's the best shoot I've ever made. But yeah, the fact that Bond as a game translates to running around shooting people, whereas like yeah, Bond does shoot people, but Bond is not like Rambo. Bond is not like running from room to room just just shooting tons of guys. It's like <laughs> not like the guy that British intelligence hires to just kill six hundred people. He's the guy who charms his way in and does
2: secret meetings and sometimes. Yeah, but he it's has difficult to, to like you know spells. which which sex is difficult to translate like, it into a you, game. Would you open with like like a Sims role playing game? Be like here's A role-playing
1: here's, game could be the way to do Bond with some like light shooter elements, something like that. Instead of like Bond is running around machine gunning yeah. everyone. This
0: pick this double Tondre. <laughs>
1: yes, this outrageous thing to Yes, the someone. conversations. Seriously, the be... conversations and having Bond-like <laughs> actually, dialogue choices actually could be brilliant.
0: You, you know what the best conversation Bond's ever had with someone who was trying to seduce? It was in Casino Royale when. He, gets the, he, he wins the car of the husband, and he's like, how about a drink at my place? And she says, I'm not that cruel. He just says to her like straight face, maybe I you just don't know it. And he just stares her down and they're like, she's like, okay. That was the best <laughs> like, seduction <laughs> sequence they've ever done.
2: And a lot of them
0: are just really awkward. I refer to um, The License to Kill, the scene on the boat, with I forget the actress name, she was in Law and Order, and it's just so poorly staged and they have absolutely no chemistry. Um, some of the Roger Moore stuff, I referred to the Grace Jones episode earlier. Um, oh Remember God, in the, the entirety, open, opening, in,
2: opening in Moonraker when he gets the watch, which has a magnetic pull, uh, uses yeah. that to uh, unzip. And that was... And I, was just I was so obsessed with that as a kid. <laughs> yeah. But like, if you had a magnet that powerful, how
1: would you not have your but wrist that broken? The,
2: that,
0: that, <laughs> that, that started the whole... Um, a point break followed. that so many films have of characters jumping out of airplanes without parachutes action scenes oh they actually had one of the best um double entendres too where somebody but he's like he's like it's like where's bond the money pennies he's on his last leg sir and next shot is him just like seducing this woman in the uh, short skirt it was like oh god really you're being very very blatant here all the double entendres in um, moonraker were the most Oh, did it even bother i referred to dr holly goodhead earlier um the line at the end what do you what what the hell are you doing um, i, I don't even want it. i think he's attempting re-entry sir it's like
2: oh uh, god
1: really funny uh, <laughs> the um wait, wait what, is that from, believe... what is that
2: from uh the spy who loved me I, it's it's from moonraker
0: i i, I it's from moonraker because when they're in zero gra- when they're like in, in zero gravity and they're like and they're suspended oh, yeah, above true. the bed. I still remember the first time I watched Moonraker, I was about nine years old, and my dad and I watched all the films together. And I watched the scene, and I'm like, poor an eight-year-old Glenn was like, Dad, what? what, 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 what? I, I do not get it. And it's like, Oh, no, son. Well, I'll explain later. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
3: It was oh that, dear um, in, the, in the
2: Spy you Love Me when they're like finally there in the in the in the bobblehead or whatever the bobblehead submarine situation. Oh
3: god!
2: Just like and she's holding the gun and, and it goes pop and you're like oh well you really pop my cherry and so when it pops the wine. oh god
1: <laughs>
0: the,
1: the the I couldn't believe no, 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 as no,
0: no, a, the, um, the best scene the best scene at oh. the end of, the, the 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 following bit at the end of Spy Love Me when he says um. When the Russians and the British are all looking in the little submarine pod, it's like Bond. What the hell are you doing? And keeping the British end up, sir. And then just like shutters wow. the blinds slowly as <laughs> as Carly Simon comes on, like outrageous, outrageous.
1: <laughs> I couldn't believe um, even as a kid watching Diodata, <laughs> the Big Bang Theory line. I think I got the thrust of it.
0: <laughs> oh, oh so bad, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Oh, my God.
2: What, what was uh, um, the Berry's name in that, in that film? Truly Rid- terrible ones. Ridiculous.
1: Yeah, what was Halle Berry's name? This when will we'll know?
2: Pretty ridiculous, right? Everyone remember? Jinx or something, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Jinx. Her name Her name was Jinx. She was an <laughs> NSA agent.
2: <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> she did Jinx's Jinx. mission. Yeah. Um.
0: Oh, the, the entire line. Actually, here's an odd thing about Dying of the Day. So... There's obviously all these uh, very blatant sex scenes and all these blatant seduction scenes in Bond films, but The other of the Day is actually the only Bond film to feature a sex scene proper uh, between uh, Pierce Brosnan and, the, and uh, Halle Berry Halle character. Berry, right, wow. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the only uh, Interesting. It's strange jump in tone for the series. They've never done it since. It was never done before in the 40 years.
2: Wait, which one? Is it the diamond one at the end?
3: you're talking
0: about? Uh, no, no, I'm referring to earlier in Havana, when he oh, meets yeah, her, she comes
3: yeah. out of yeah, the water and, uh, sex
1: in I mean, bed. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Bond has never yeah. been filmed having sex. Sense.
2: Because he doesn't need to. He's just charming enough. <sighs> yeah. Actually, speaking of Dial of the Day, Actually,
0: yeah. of of the Day that's what, that was trying to do it in the vein of Skyfall doing his homages. Was that the first
2: film of Rosamund Pike? Because I, I did, hadn't seen uh, it wasn't uh, her
0: first film but it was when she came to general attention
2: yeah because I hadn't seen it she her, was great before that yeah she was mm. she was fantastic
0: Miranda Frost I know because this actually the scene was really good
2: yeah no wonder you're so cold Miranda no no wonder you're so <sighs> frosty that's what that's correct yeah
0: oh god
2: yeah time of the day uh, oh, should we talk about Roger Moore for a bit.
1: Uh, yeah, let's do that.
2: Okay, well, yeah, so Ro- my favorite memory is seeing Roger Moore in an auto rickshaw, being, doing an auto rickshaw chase scene in Octopussy in India, which is so weird. And I'm just like, I just never thought the bond in India could fit in any universe. Octopussy yeah. was
1: on TV last night, and I, I tuned in for a little bit. Um,
2: of Octopussy?
1: Yeah, the, the bit with oh, the... It's, such, it, it's so bad. Mm-hmm. Is Octopussy the worst one film?
0: Um, okay. Uh, hmm. I would I think say it might be. I'd put it between Diamonds and Forever and License to Kill.
1: Diamonds Are Forever is pretty bad. I Isn't strongly really disagree bad. with you on License to Kill. I think it's it's License it's to kill is good. it's like it's not so good as a Bond film, but I think it's a perfectly enjoyable action movie.
2: No, it's between I, A I, View I, to I, a Kill. I, 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 uh Diamonds of Forever oh, right, yeah. and Octopussy. Octopussy is still better than those two.
3: Maybe Octopussy has
2: Octopusy
0: has some great individual sequences. Um the entire tr trace on top of the train is yeah. great. It's one of my favorite Bond train chases in the whole body series. Um the plot itself is actually quite good. It's a classic espionage thriller, even if it does end with Roger Moore as a clown and with <sighs> all these acrobats storming this palace like commandos.
1: It's just such a Uh, metaphor, but it's, you know, for the way that the series had gone, but it's just Bond is suave. Bond would never be a clown. You know, like, it's just like, he's a great, it's like, he would do anything for the the mission, but not Yeah. surely. But
2: but they use that same hook uh, in the remake of the Pink Panther when Steve Martin was was a clown.
1: But that's the Pink Panther, uh, and this is James Bond.
2: Yeah, so it's just like... Clues, though, is clearly taking the, the picture out of Bond, which I was like, oh, playbook for Bond. I see. Okay, you, but you're a man I, want of hear, too.
1: I want to hear what Glenn says about License to Kill.
0: License to Kill has several good individual sequences. The truck chase is really good. Really good.
3: good. My awesome sequences. Really good. But
0: again, all, all practical effects. Good stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, I found it frustrating for the reasons we discussed earlier that Bond has to go rogue. And that it is treated as a non it's a very non-traditional Bond story, um, for the reason that he doesn't have ac- as many ac- as much access to the gadgets as he normally does. And it's just not as interesting. The signature gun isn't nearly as engaging as, say, the car which he got in Living Daylights for any other film. His characterization, his motive wasn't Queen and Country. It was I just want to kill this guy Scooter Felix Lyder. And again, I don't like it when Bond fits into an overall serialization, which likes to kill very much em- emphasized as opposed to the anthology series we've we, we, we discussed this already i mm-hmm. there were individual sequences i heavily disliked i disliked the bit where the guy is exploded in the boiler it's too much um, sanchez is not I, I like how he's the whole loyalty is more important to me than money aside from that i didn't find millions as interesting in villain as really any other villain including most probably yogi the antagonist in the Living daylights. Um, the opening sequence with the plane being hooked, um, they they treated this big, grandiose, amazing stunt. It's actually not very good or very interesting. And the bit with the... Uh, otherwise, just this um, setting general oeuvre, I, I liked the whole drug dealers doing their business via this telethon, which I thought was quite funny. But there was not... The, 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 the overall style and genre it was trying to operate in didn't do it for me. I appreciate it's a good 80s action film, but that's not what I go to Bond for.
1: Yeah, I just wouldn't list it as one of the worst just because like I don't think it's a terrible movie overall. Whereas some something like octopussy arguably View to a Kill View to a Kill I think is better than octopussy but he um
0: Well View to a Kill has that great stunt where you jump the car jumps on the bus, it has the yeah. tower jump. It has the sequence on the fire truck, which, accepting the really bad dummy, which was hanging on and clearly squeaking like plastic, was pretty good. Mm. Um, and *A View to a Kill* was uh, ominous in that it was pressing it like the best Bond films are. It was about the growth of tech and the emergence of Silicon Valley. Yeah. Uh, the best Bond films have very much tapped into the era of the time. Uh, *A View to a Kill*, *Diamonds Are Forever*, it's antiquated. From so many perspectives, it's it is more than most Bond films. Very misogynist. Which
3: yeah, that,
0: that <laughs> characters is awful.
1: I watched yeah. a bit of it on TV the other day, and I also couldn't believe it.
2: Oh, that whole sequence when he he has to hide the tape in the the yeah the her butt the underwear. Yeah, the Jill St. John
0: character, um, T- Tiffany Case. Oh, so here's a Tiffany dumb K- thing about
2: and she was hiding a case. But, so there you go.
0: This is one of the dumb things about uh Licence to Kill and how poorly it was elements of it were produced. The stunt team had to do a scene where the car was going through the alleyway on two wheels on its side, but then they couldn't the, – the team – that it was two separate stunt teams, but the t- team who was bringing the car at the other side of the alley couldn't do it on the right side. They can only do it on the left side. So they had two separate shots. And there's this really awkward moment while the car's going down the alley where somehow the car just flips. So not only really does Bond put the car on one side, but somehow in this alley – Puts it back on its regular trajectory and then flips it to the other side to go out the other way. And it's just, come on, this is something you should have planned to make sure the stunt teams could do the same stunt. And it's pretty straightforward. What right. is the car on the right side or the left side? It's a lot of dumb things. Granted, it was a cool stunt.
3: All right.
2: And Glenn is being nitpicky now, so we're going to give him the benefit of that.
0: Okay. I guess it's fair. It's fair. But uh, in terms of Diamonds are Forever, Oh, diamonds! Diamonds, clearly,
2: but, clearly. Like, it's just aged you know, so badly. Just the, the opening yeah. bit
0: where he's just on a revenge spree. Again, not Bond. Um, the, the strange casting of the guy who died at the beginning of You Don't know, Live Twice as Blofeld was awkward and very obvious. Blofeld is uh, just invincible.
1: He gets he gets dropped into a boiling mud and then survives.
0: <sighs> Blofeld. Mm. And Blofeld is just Arthur Donald... Pleasance's characterization. I think that I think it was Donald Pleasance.
2: Yes, that's
3: it right. Just, it
0: just he he was good. The guy who did, did Bloodfelt in in Damsel just wasn't good. Yeah. straight up. Uh, yeah, i not a big fan. So Connery was kind of over it by that point. He only came back because Lazy B wouldn't do another one. Lesbian was good. And and
2: no, didn't didn't, and B was Conner- good. didn't Connery didn't do an unofficial one with Kim Kim Basinger? Never, never say never again, never again. Which, which is has now being made official.
3: They no, sort no, of I made it
1: official because they've they've brought the rights back to it now. So now it's, it's released. Be so in the big, I agree, but it's a yeah, remake I mean. of Thunderbolt. But it's basically um, but yeah. yeah it's it's basically now it's released. But yeah, now it's released in the in the official collections again. It's sort of been brought back into the fold of Bond movies.
0: Um I, I say looks so old in that one. Yeah. He was the same age as more and Moore did Octopy, roughly. Um, the reason I say it's not a Bond film isn't so much the production history, but simply that for for copyright reasons, they couldn't do a lot of the things that made it a Bond film. They couldn't have the opening titles, couldn't have him saying Bond James Bond, couldn't have him doing any number of things which register as a film in the Bond franchise. And it's just not very good.
2: Mm. And that's true. But Kim, uh, Kim Basinger was actually a very good. Gave a very good performance and I, I really wanted her to get better or deserve better. She, was a,
0: good, she, was, she was a good domino. She was. Um, mm-hmm. On Major Secret Service, God, every, every time there's a new Bond film, Lazenby goes on a world tour and goes around like Australia and other places doing talks and doing screenings of this film. And there are parts of it that are just great. Um, all the ski chases, Diana Rig. Is uh, one of the best Bond girls. The ending, we discussed earlier. Is the very theme. Good. Also, the theme. The theme music is so goddamn cool. And Lazenby yeah. did more stunts than anyone. He did the ice slide, the sequence where th- he throws the knife onto the side of the wall. None of the stuntmen could do it. So Lazenby's like, "Fuck this!" Gets the knife and just like chucks it, and it lands exactly where it needs to be. That's like so the well. guy would have been that was right you should have done more i'm sorry
1: the I? guy could
2: have been
0: the real james bond
2: <laughs> no but there, there was there was, there was a movie that done. was made we and, uh, and, and uh, we saw that in the american the american collection essentials uh american remember? essentials with, yeah with with josh lucas playing George lazenby but was it josh uh, lucas my God. yeah i'm pretty sure it was josh lucas who played. It, it was a good film yeah and which is about lazenby's experience playing bond fictionalizing it essentially and uh all that happened behind the scenes, essentially, and then yeah, you got sick of the lifestyle, and he just came back.
0: Yeah, it was it was like to camera faces, to camera commentary, um, recreations of the era. I really liked it. Um, how likely do we? Thing. Actually, here's a question. What do people prefer, Spy Loves Me or Moonraker? I'm guessing it's Moonraker from the early discussion, but they're both very similar yeah. in terms of their appeal and style. I, I did I like l-
2: Bar- Barbara back, um, Bach as the, as the female love interest a lot more than Holly Goodhead. She was so good. She was really I, good.
1: I think I really like Spy Who Loved Me probably more, um, but maybe it's just my fondness for the, oh, the theme music.
2: The is song, song is so good. Moonraker's song, song isn't song. very
1: memorable.
0: Moonraker's just my childhood. It's, Me too.
1: It's I have watched them both a lot as a kid, but Moonraker was the one Moonraker I was going to because it had be lasers.
2: Fun and I remember it more fondly, but The Spy Who Loved Me is probably a better film. Yeah. But yeah, um, I, with Bond is difficult because it's like a better film doesn't always strike you in your memory as much. And it's just like, you know, it's the nostalgia which often wins over in the end, unfortunately. So yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Something that always bothered, that always bothered me. One we haven't discussed is the man with the golden gun. One I really like with the flip and with
2: probably my, possibly Christopher, my Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee was a very menacing, very menacing, villain. And and our job was was it Oddjob? job? Our job. Our job. Uh, no, our job wasn't Goldfinger.
0: Knickknack was in. Knickknack. Sorry, uh, he got he got shot uh, in the I UK got confused the with my
2: that. Oriental stereotyping. Sorry.
0: Um, Knickknack. God, they did not treat his character well. Um, but having said that. What always bothered me about that movie is that Scaramanga was actually sort of the good guy. He was doing this; he was he was trying to do this sustainable energy project. Bonds screwed him over. So yeah. The whole thing was trying to create this uh, alternate energy source, and Bond's like, "No, nah, we're not having any of this." He's also just so charming. He was so good. I I, I like that movie a lot.
2: Yeah, and look, I feel sorry for Britt Eklund because she went from doing The Wicker Man, if I'm not mistaken, to this. Yeah, with with Christopher Lee. Christopher.
0: Yeah. Lee.
1: Yeah, I wonder uh, if she, they came as exactly a package. I wonder if Christopher closet. Lee was like, she's coming with me.
0: When she was shoved in the closet, it was so bad. So bad. Mm. Uh, yeah, possibly. Um, she, I, she I don't think she was wearing, she was wearing,
2: wearing anything her, more than a bikini right. for the entire runtime she was there.
0: The entire final sequence was raised, just her in a bikini. And, and the reason Bond is put in danger is because she's leaning over the, 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 the edge and her butt touches the button. Which oh, yeah, the that's
2: right. Up. Oh, my God. Oh, God. my God. <laughs> oh oh so
3: bad it's fun. it's
1: interesting that the films actually got more misogynistic than when they started like that, people that that aspect of bond is like he's yeah. super macho womanizer you know he women but, just fall into women, bed with him the women, the was so women exaggerated they, as it went the, on the women not to say that it started in a yeah. pc way now but. yeah
2: i agree I, I think you're right the difference with the Connery era is like Bond was seen as the one who was a womanizer but the women weren't necessarily portrayed as dumb idiots Living in the Roger Moore yeah. era, the women—they're portrayed really stupid. They were became pretty much bimbettes essentially. Yeah.
0: Which is even the highly qualified ones, with who uh, were established, like this person is the expert in their field.
2: Ah, uh, this one is an astrophysicist, but she can't control her own part. You know, whatever. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Mary Delight was. She
0: wasn't an astrophysicist. She was an agent. She was an agent with the British Secret Service.
2: There you go. She's trained. Uh, tra- she's as trained as Bond. She's an agent herself in the field. And she can't control her aspects.
0: Oh, God, it was... <laughs> hey, um, one we strangely haven't spoken about is what many consider to be the very best Bond. Do we like Goldfinger? I, it was one of my favourites growing up. I still think it's a great film. I think a lot of people, I think more people than any other... Uh, if if we story, take out the, 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 the Pussy Glow coming.
2: track, it was actually a very good film.
0: The,
1: the, the thing
3: people, of. Is
0: good.
1: The gold, yeah, it's good, but it's also it's moving it more into the direction that we could start to see where the um, Roger Moore films were coming from. Like it's starting to bring in the more silly elements, like Odd Job, that would get more and more exaggerated. Um,
0: but it has also some of uh, the camp which worked, like <laughs> Bond fooling the guard in his cell by waving at it and pretending to disappear, Bond appearing under the little mini model Fort Knox um obviously the whole here i'm gonna tell you my plan mr bond started with goldfinger and it's still very yeah. strange to see but it was relatively novel then uh i like it i i, I and it's and classic yeah the whole destroy fort knox rather than steal it actually made a lot of sense uh do we like live and let die
1: um it's alright.
2: Yeah, it's alright. I, I liked it. Like, you know, Great song. I, like, I like. Yeah, and I liked yeah. that sequence, Bond especially that. that I remember when he had to jump over the crocodiles. That was actually oh. uh, one of my favorite. Again, home.
1: Okay, but is jumping over the crocodiles as good as the scene in Octopussy when he falls into the lake and he's having a fight with someone and you see the crocodile coming and it's like, oh no, Bond is gone, and then suddenly he, it turns out it was a submarine. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: No. Great but actually, moment. This, this one. This one. This one was more difficult because. How quickly he had to do it, and actually, like, you couldn't see that they were all lined up. And I was like, "Oh, that's actually really clever." Anyway, it, yeah, it, it is. It is a ridiculous stunt, stunt, but it is stupid, clever. Stupid, stupid, yeah. and clever because um, it's just on that borderline. So the story Pet behind, behind game. that is that the um
0: the stunt man almost got his foot ripped off, but he was wearing very thick boots because the last crocodile grabbed him.
1: Um, did he actually do that? Wow, but well, I, I mean, it looks
0: real. Yes.
3: Well, actually,
1: well,
0: <laughs> Yeah, there's been a lot of serious. there have been a lot, quite a few injuries over the years. Um, in Oxford, um when Bond's hanging off the side of the train, the stunt man hit a pole, was in hospital for six months. He made a recovery. Um, yeah, there were a few over the years, but no. Like Bond employed a lot of stunt persons over the course of a long time. Do we have? Do we have a favorite stunt from the whole body series?
1: Uh, man, I don't know the whole series well enough to be able to make that call right now. I've pretty much I've seen them all, but some of them not for a long time.
0: So I, yeah. I, I like. Um, I, I so was. I only- would actually
1: say the actually the the opening of Casino Royale, some of the, the leaping over the the cranes at the construction site.
0: Yeah, that was really cool.
1: Um,
0: fun fact: Casino Royale actually a few of the films unintentionally broke world records. They did break a world record intentionally for Spy Lovey with the size of the set and Goldeneye Eye with the bun- bungee jump. But two where they unintentionally broke world records were, and they're two of my favourite stunts: the um, boat jump in Living in the license in Live and Let It Die, which was like uh, more feet than any others. But also the car roll in Casino Royale. They rolled the car more times than, than anywhere else. That was a world record at the time. Uh, there are a few more. Um, I like the V to a Kill, where he just jumps on, on, onto the bus and destroys all the luggage. Mm. Um, there's, a, there's a few pretty great ones going back. Um, the Lotus Esprit jumping into the water in Spire Love. Oh, yeah, me.
2: that's right. That's right.
0: That's good. Um, oh, your uh, Eyes Only, underrated. The whole sequence where he's hanging off the side of the mountain and then drops.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah, really good. Ah, oh, Bond. So what, what, what film should everyone go out and watch? What's next one everyone's watching? Or just in general. In gen- what, 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 next, next Bond? Oh. Uh, it's
1: and- uh, the No Time to Die,
0: Mr. Bond. What are, what are the odds we think of Rami Malek being Doctor No?
1: Why do people think Rami Malek is Doctor No? Can you fill me in on this?
0: Um well first of all it's the title, No Time to Die. Um and the fact that it's in the trailers it's shown that he is Doctor No genius. say No Time to Die? No, no, as in the title, No yeah, Time cool. to Die.
1: As
2: no in Dr. the No is in the
0: Okay. No. A,
1: suggestion no. That. What if he actually title drops it and says, "No, time to die"?
0: <laughs> that would be great. I'd be so down for that. <laughs> <It's>
1: just, <laughs> so totally, this swerve on the title drop. From what do you expect?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. What no. happened? In, no, it happened it. In
0: a view to a
1: kill. <laughs> to kill. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, what a it, view! It could, it could be like. It could be like Doctor. No time to die.
1: Right, but yeah. Outside of "No Time to Die" being the title, sorry, what was the other reasons people think he's
0: Doctor um, No? The characterization. So, what we know about this guy is he's apparently he's some genius who has some who has some dis, uh, disfigurations and is a seems to be some or chemist who can, quote unquote, play God. Um, Doctor No in the books and in the show had um, some similar aspirations. Uh, he was a biochemist and he also had some like in the traditional classic Bond sense. Um his hands were damaged in a um experiment. Mm. So okay, there are there are elements that are analogous, but granted every Bond villain it's such a classic hallmark of the series has to have I think a scar or a something missing or something.
1: I don't to be honest, I don't like this whole reboot thing of like oh Blofeld's back and now Doctor No's back. I don't think I d I wouldn't be on board with it. But I mean it's no, it depends it was on what you're doing. The dumbest reveal really.
0: inspector i'm blofeld oh of course you are we, we've known this for like years this is we, we, this is not a surprise yeah We're he dresses like, like
1: blofeld and it's called specter gee i wonder who this guy's going to be yeah
0: it's, it's like
1: cut it's like reveal of khan yes in star trek into yeah. darkness
0: so bond is like okay sure thing mate blofeld great name whatever what up
1: yeah, uh, <laughs> so my name is Blofeld. Oh, okay.
0: And this is after the film called Spectre, after the show to Super Lair, and after we've seen the little white cat.
1: Yeah, the, the, the white cat was meant to be the <gasps> moment. Like, oh no, it's Blofeld. He's got the
0: cat. Yeah, the reveal The is really dumb. Oh, sir.
3: Oh, it's so me, a, me. Yeah, so
0: that's. That, 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 is that James Bond? Is
2: that, that is Bond James, James Bond. Bond? That is Bond James Bond. Yeah, go, go go watch them. Uh, Become as obsessed as we are. Yeah, and and no, tell tell us and your, your favorite, favorite Bond. Tell us your favorite Bond movies, tell, tell us your favorite Bond stunts. Your favorite Bond one line is. We'd love to know if you're as obsessed as we are. If not, then your we'd love favorite
0: see. Bond. I know. The the, the, the the best Bond line is actually in uh, Tomorrow Never Die. I, 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 it's like, it's not one of the best ones, but I love it where Elliot Kav was talking about like. Extracting his heart and keeping him alive, and having Bond watch Stop Beating. And Bond's like, Yeah, I thought watching good TV shows was torture enough. I'm like, That's pretty funny. All right, so we got, we got, looks like we got three, uh, yeah, we got a few minutes left. Um, Shall we just say, Catch you next time. Bond, Bond Voyage catch you next bond time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> catch us Wednesday night. We're going to be talking SBS on demand, The Conversation, Godfather, The Fisher King, um, a few of the- And, and more. And, and
3: more. Chinatown. Something you
0: want to cover, Forget it, Jake. Yeah. And if there's something you want us to cover, like it's on streaming, SBS on demand, otherwise let us know because wait, we're down for it and we're, that's what we're doing right now, streaming. I'm doing Robocop later tonight, but- yeah, give give us a fight.
2: Pick pick some pick something with us. Pick a fight. Have a great
1: one, guys. And Enjoy we'll have self-isolating.
2: Media. We'll have social media for you, and before then, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. All right. That's, have a wonderful homework. night.
0: And uh, and it's homework for us. Yeah. Um, take care and merry good night.
2: <laughs> merry <laughs> good night, everyone. I, ca- I can't top night. that. <laughs> Bye,
0: everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye.